we're delighted to let you know that the CL Podcasts are officially sponsored by our partners Rice Up. Rice Up, healthy and functional snacks. Welcome to Food for Thought, the CL Podcast. We will always need to eat, so farming and food processing will always have a future. But the changes impacting these sectors are huge. At a time of transitions, reinventions and global social responsibility, CL Paris is reaffirming its ambition by uniting food professionals around the major transformations taking place in the industry. I'm David Addison, and in this edition of Food for Thought, we will hear from Tiziano Vodifieri and Ippolite Vautrin on design in the service of quality food. First, though, let's take a look at a couple of the industry headlines this week. Redundancies have been announced by Gorillas and Getia, two major European instant grocery delivery companies, as they face what the former described as a challenging and complex global environment. Gorillas said that it was looking to shift its focus from hyperfast growth to profitability, something that is likely to see the company move out of many markets ahead of an initial public offering. Amid the risk of recession, investors are said to be less willing to put large amounts of funds into some high-technology sectors, while the companies themselves are, in some cases, focusing more on profitability than growth. In a statement, Berlin-based Gorillas said that 90% of its revenue came from France, Germany, the Netherlands, the UK and the US, markets where it had entered a clear path to profitability. But in Belgium, Denmark, Italy and Spain, the company said in a statement that it was looking at all possible strategic options, a comment interpreted by analysts as indicating that the firm will exit those markets. As well as potentially leaving these markets, Gorillas has announced it will reduce the size of its global office staff by 300. While this was an extremely hard decision to make, these are necessary moves that will help Gorillas to become a stronger and more profitable business with a sharpened focus on its customers and its brand, the company's statement added. It continued, with our current investments, we are strengthening our position both financially and strategically for the future. Food waste is on the agenda in Spain, where ministers are working on a draft legislation affecting restaurants and supermarkets. Spain aims to crack down on food waste with draft legislation outlining fines for supermarkets that bin leftovers. It also includes rules for bars and restaurants to offer doggy bags so that diners can take home food left on their plates. The Spanish government adopted the draft bill last Tuesday in its efforts to reduce the 1,300 tonnes of food waste the company produces every year. That's equal to 31 kilograms per person. Ministers hope to implement the new law by early 2023 following efforts in Italy and France, which are the only EU countries with similar regulations. Luis Planias for Agriculture, Fisheries and Food described the move as a pioneering judicial instrument. The minister also highlighted its timeliness amid unsolved hunger and malnutrition in the world and a potential food crisis and the need for food production. Planius put food waste down to an inefficiency in the food chain, responsible for 20%. To reduce this, he explains all elements of the chain must have a specific plan, except shops measuring less than 1,300 square metres. The draft bill will force supermarkets and restaurants to work with local organisations and food banks to limit food waste. It also states that restaurants must make leftover food available for customers to take home on request and provide containers for diners. 
Other measures include suggestions to transform overripe fruit into products such as juice and jam or using it as animal feed. Companies will also have to stipulate the destination of food to avoid waste under the premise that human consumption will always be the top priority when donating or redistributing food. Agreements must be signed with firms, social initiatives and other non-profit organisations or food banks in order to donate surplus food. And when human consumption is not suitable, the preferred use will be animal feed and its manufacturers by products in other industries, compost or biofuels in this order. Companies found to break the rules could face fines of €60,000 or €50,000 for repeat offenders. But the policies will depend on educational campaigns and not fines to change customer behaviour. Plania stressed that of the 20% of losses along the chain, 40% occur at retail or household level, which is why raising social awareness of the problem is one of the pillars of the new law. The British countryside might soon see a reversal of fortunes in the numbers of swifts and swallows if a new project between the UK's largest supermarket chain and farmers is successful. Tesco has started working with its network of 500 dairy farmers to provide safe havens for migratory birds to help boost wildlife biodiversity. In recent years, these species, including swifts and swallows, which are all summer migrants that fly 6,000 miles to Africa to raise their young and feed on insects, have been dwindling in numbers. Part of the problem for their failure to return is due to habitat loss and climate change. According to the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, swifts in particular are struggling. In the UK, breeding numbers have dropped by 57% between 1995 and 2017. The new initiative, supported by the dairy farmers, is aimed at helping address the issue through the Tesco Sustainable Dairy Group, TSDG. Members are being encouraged to install 5,000 nest boxes on their farmland, considered to be an ideal habitat for the birds as it provides them with a natural shelter and also the insect diet that they need. Now, let's turn to our industry interview for this edition of Food for Thought. To learn more about how design plays a part in the service of quality food, I spoke to leading architect Tiziano Vudafieri of Vudafieri Savarino Partners and to restaurant entrepreneur Hippolyte Vautrin. How important is the design of a restaurant? It's completely part of the experience. I mm -hmm. think uh, in the modern uh, way to do restoration, you uh, you have to do an all experience. So um, it's like the food, it's like the wine, it's like the drink part, I think. Yeah. The food part, the drink part. And also, uh, how do you feel when you are in a place? Mm -hmm. If you don't feel well, if you don't feel... In a, in a beautiful place, you will feel uh, also um, worse than uh, in a, in a well-designed place. Mm. So that design of the restaurant really does have an effect on the customer, then. I'm sure of that, mm. and it's a part of the um, of the, the, the the value of uh, of um, of your dinner experience. You will eat better if you will in a, in a nice place, mm. and uh, also. Uh, the, the way that the, the, the spaces are organized, it's very, very important to, 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 to feel well. Sure. Uh, so how much input, therefore, do you have in the design of a, a restaurant, or is that left to the architect? Do you, do, you, do you offer ideas and suggestions, or do you wait to see what is created for you? I uh, think uh, it depends uh, if, it's, if we're speaking about me or the people in um, 
general. If, mm-hmm. if we are speaking about me, uh, I let the architect very, very free of um, doing what he thinks better after a briefing of what I'm searching for. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. That's the point. We start from the uh, the idea with the very clear directions, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's up to the architect. Because if you if I'm starting to do his job, I will do it more than him. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a process between you, I suppose. He will show you ideas and designs, and you Absolutely. can ask it's for a, changes. It's a process. So you, mm-hmm. it's not it's not you you're not starting from the day one and the day ten. It's uh, without the new um, I would say new exchanges. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have the project. It's like every day we speak. Every day will propose me some stuff. I will I will say what what I prefer. What yeah. I what what I um, in my advice it's is better and uh it, it will go in this direction but then uh the uh, I, I do say the um artist part it's mm. uh, it, it's uh, it's his job are you looking for perfection when it's when it is finished is it absolutely as you wish or do you look at things and think oh maybe we could change that still and make a another change here I think you, you're always looking for uh, your way of perfection. Mm. But uh, then um, from the first project to um, an alive place, there is many difference. So you understand many stuff after the, the opening. And um, I will say that you, you correct some little things uh, during the first months of activity. Sure. Now, in your... Porta Venezia restaurant, you have a, a no-waste cuisine menu. What does that mean, and, and how does that work? So that's mean uh, we use everything uh, of the products. So um, we have uh, like five liters of, uh, of uh, waste every day for uh, 60, uh, 80 guests uh, okay. every day. So it's um, the, the idea is to, to, to don't throw anything. Uh-huh. The, the the less of the less <laughs> okay and uh, uh, that means we we will we will do many preparation uh, to use everything and to don't waste anything and so what it means it means that uh, people will discover many ways to prepare some stuff and they will find it very good because they just don't know how to 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 do some stuff okay. like, uh-huh. yeah if we if we speak about um uh, I don't know uh, zucchini. Okay, we will use everything, even the um, the skin, and maybe we will essicate it, and uh, we will use it in a, in a, to do a bordo. Um, mm-hmm. That would be uh, the idea, and um, it's very ecologic, but uh, it's not uh, it's not harder than cooking normally. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> What what reaction do you get from customers then to that? Are, are they are they in favour? Do they understand that they're eating something slightly different? Absolutely, like uh, they really like it, and um, mm. they're they're curious at the beginning. But then uh, maybe four years ago, we weren't a lot to do this stuff. Uh, now so something is uh, starting about this like, because it's the only way to to to, to cook well in my mm-hmm. opinion and um, people are understanding this and uh, even the professionals uh, so um, we are going to do in the good direction for the future it's it's a good direction i assume because of of sustainability but it must also be a good financial model because you have less wastage 
Exactly, mm. exactly. So you, uh, you 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 can really propose uh, good stuff to a lower price. So uh, it's um, it's a plus for 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 the experience. When when you mm -hmm. spend less money for <laughs> the same quality, you're very happy of that. No, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Are, are people, do you find, um, eager to return to restaurants now that, that the pandemic is perhaps less of a problem? Now, for, for, for Philippi, we, we are okay. But mm. like we, we, we have to be very careful about the new winter. I, I, I don't know if uh, it will be, remain like this, if we remain like this. So sure. um, mm. for now, uh, we, we're completely back to the normality. Which is good to hear. Uh, and the last question yeah. really is, what does it take to succeed in the restaurant industry, it always seems incredibly competitive. Uh, I think you have to get an idea. Mm -hmm. Like uh, there is no, um, it's not competitive if you got an idea. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's just between people who hasn't um, an idea. I <laughs> so if you start with an idea and you work well and you organize well your 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 restaurant around this idea and you communicate it it well. There is no competitivity like here. You will be alone in what you will do. So, and you will succeed. And what about the architect's position on all of this? I spoke next to Tiziano Vudafieri. How does architecture fit into the food and drink industry? The, the thing, um, David, is uh, that architecture is a matter of design of relationships, mm -hmm. any architecture. A building, a skyscraper, is a matter of architecture with the surrounding uh, environment. An office, when you design an office, I mean, that, that type of design has changed a lot in the last 30 years. It's a matter of designing a relationship between the employees a public institution, you design an hospital, uh, a hospital or, or a museum or whatever it is, a public office. It's a matter of visitor and user, a relationship. When we design a restaurant, we design mainly relationships between customers and also a lot between customers and employees, customer and owners customer and the chef, I don't know, I mean, uh, th this is the way, my opinion, uh, uh, how does architecture fit into the food uh, and drink industry? Sure. It's a design of relationships and relationships in, in this business are the key. So when you're designing a restaurant, such as the, the recent project in China, what factors do you have to include? What are you looking for specifically in your creation? To, to us, I mean, I, I don't say that any architect is the same, but for, for us, uh, there are two things. Uh, represent as much as we can the soul of the restaurant, the idea, the soul of the owner or, or the chef, the food and beverage concept, its idea. It's like, a, it's like designing something for a brand. This is the main things of the two. And second, again, design, work, on the relationships between the people that will enter this restaurant. But the most important as, uh, to us, any restaurant we design is completely different from another. What specific challenges are there then when you're designing a restaurant? What do you have to overcome? The design of the experience of the customer, which is, it's, it's 
inside the design of, mm. of the relationship, mm -hmm. uh, it must be empathetic with the food and beverage concept and the food and beverage journey and okay. enhance it somehow. The place should tell the same story as the food you find in your dish. Mm -hmm. That's the first, uh, say, challenge. The second, obviously, there are a lot of technical challenges. I mean, the, the fluxes between the kitchen and I mean, the restaurant is a, is a machine. It must work and hopefully it should work. Yeah. <laughs> and if it works, it means that uh, it's under stress. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's full of people. It's, and and there is a sort of overlap between two different layers. An emotional layer, which is, I mean, the style, mm. the lighting, whatever, and a functional layer that must work as well as the first one, sure. but you don't see it, but it should be fluid and, and otherwise it will, it will ruin the experience. Mm. How much of the design then is based on, for example, the food or the menu or the location of the restaurant? I would say 70-30. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm talking about, I mean, I, I'm saying really the location it's the soul of the place, yes. the most yes. important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there is the soul of the place. We call it genius loci in uh, Latin. Mm -hmm. I mean, the genius that is behind, uh, inside the place, even before you transform it. And this is quite important, but obviously it's uh, the 70% is the soul of the restaurant to be represented, that mm -hmm. it's the most important. Then you adapt this thing to different locations or a different place, etc., etc. What about the chef? Does he have an input? Because in a way you're reflecting his menu. So does does he have well, a obviously, an element? obviously yes, yes. Mm. obviously yes. It's it's uh, and 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 a lot. I mean, uh, I would say it is the chef, but it it's the key person. I would say the chef, the owner, whatever, the main person of the restaurant, the one who is representing the restaurant. Obviously, okay. I mean, we are story listeners before being storytellers. Mm -hmm. we, we listen a lot to what we hear, to what we should represent through our works. Uh, your company has branches, for example, in China as well as in Milan. Now, how big are the differences in what you have to achieve in those two very different continents? <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, th there is a difference between our two offices. It's the main difference is that Shanghai works mainly for greater China, mm -hmm. a bit of Japan, etc. Southeast Asia, mm, but mostly China, while Milan works worldwide. Uh, there is a strong cultural difference between China and I would say the rest of the world, but the, the Western world, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a completely different sense of privacy. They need okay. more privacy, mm -hmm. even though the young generations are changing a lot. And then there is in China a completely different approach to priorities. Saying that okay. in a project, I mean, you can present a skyscraper, mm -hmm. And they start talking about the windows and for two hours <laughs> you have to follow and, and talking about the materials of the windows and you didn't explain yet mm 
how many floors this building is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like in the Western world, we go from A to B and our uh, approach is the, the straight line from A to B. The most efficient thing is the, the straight line, mm -hmm. but it is too rigid. And somehow, and sometimes we don't achieve the point B because we are too rigid. In China, they change the path 20 times. They adapt the target, they move it, and they are much more efficient than us at the end. Uh, now, how much does the design affect customers? Because so much of the emphasis is placed on the quality of the, the food and the drink in a restaurant, perhaps more so than the architecture. It must, it must work together. I mean, mm. uh, if it is not empathetic, yeah. then it's bothering. Mm. Uh, I'm convinced that self-referential design is no good for, for a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I mean, it must work together with the with the concept of the uh, of the. And, and of course, I mean, uh, I say always that lighting is more important than designing design itself, mm -hmm. style design itself. Uh, I'm obviously a chair must be comfortable. Uh, yes, for sure. <laughs> a bench must be comfortable, etc., etc. But it can affect a lot, mm. in fact, in a positive or negative way. So is designing a space, for example, in the food and drink industry more interesting, more fun, more challenging uh, than a commercial design like a store? I would say not necessarily. Uh, it depends on the project, obviously. I mean, if you, if, if you design a, a, a restaurant for uh, the Noma, for René de Rezepi, which is the star in the world since 10, since ten years of, of, uh, of the, the, rest, the, the, the chefs, and you compare this with uh, a sort of um, a stupid fast fashion, fast fashion supermarket, obviously the first one is much more interesting. But the other way around works as well. I mean, a fast food restaurant uh, with uh, 2,000 outlets in the world is less interesting than, than an interesting uh, flagship store for, 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 for Prada, I don't know, I mean, mm -hmm. for, for uh, uh, an interesting fashion brand. So it depends really highly on the type of projects. I mean, uh, I have little, little, little projects, roast a restaurant in Milan, which mm -hmm. I love. I participated also to uh, the founding uh, and it is 40 square meters and it is a jewel, in my <laughs> opinion. I mean, it's really, uh, it's a very, very small restaurant, mm. but... but it's an important project. Sure. And last question, how, and it's an, an inevitable question, how has the pandemic affected <laughs> your designs? Uh, I would say that if you, if you look at houses and also hotel and hospitality, we are a lot in, in hotel and hospitality type of projects, uh, they become more and more equipped for remote working, let's say. Restaurants, uh, they have more terraces, more, say, outdoor dining facilities. Uh, but I, I don't say, yes, of course, uh, if you have space, uh, you, you, you try to keep the customers uh, more f far from one from another. But I wouldn't say that pandemic, except the terraces, mm. except the terraces, 
uh, have changed a lot the, the, the habits today, even if it's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> RiceUp are the official partners of the CL podcast. RiceUp, healthy and functional snacks. Let's catch up on more of the recent news. Some of the biggest players in the consumer packaged goods industry are innovating with regards to sustainable packaging for their products. Reducing single-use plastics is considered to be crucial in lowering the amount of plastic waste on Earth. Single-use plastic is regarded as one of the most negatively impactful types of packaging, leading to waste accumulation on land and in oceans. A number of major brands have been making serious efforts to innovate with regards to their packaging, with the intention being to reduce the use of plastics and even replacing plastics with materials that are less negatively impactful to the environment. There are many drivers for sustainable packaging innovation, including rising consumer demand and pressure from environmentalist investors and groups. Another interesting innovation from a major industry player came from Coca-Cola, which hit the headlines when it debuted its new attached caps on plastic bottles in the UK. As part of Coca-Cola's journey towards a world without waste, we are transitioning to a new packaging system in Great Britain and other European markets, a representative for the brand said. The new packaging, he continued, ensures the cap remains attached to the bottle, making it easier than ever for consumers to recycle the whole package, ensuring that no cap gets left behind. The caps debuted on selected one and a half litre bottles in the UK, with more sizes expected throughout 2022. The new innovation means a customer can enjoy a bottle of Coca-Cola while the lid remains attached to the bottle, which stops the cap from being removed and discarded. The new caps, as well as the bottles, are reportedly 100% recyclable. Coca-Cola announced its World Without Waste programme in 2018, aiming to reduce the global use of virgin plastic by 20%, the cumulative equivalent of 3 million metric tonnes, by 2025. The company has also committed to using at least 50% recycled material in packaging by the end of the year 2030. One of the more intriguing sustainable packaging innovations comes from Kraft Heinz, which revealed it was partnering with Pulpex to test paper-based ketchup packaging. The renewable and recyclable bottle is made from 100% sustainably sourced wood pulp. Heinz is considered to be a giant in the world of consumer packaged goods and is the first source brand to experiment with Pulpex's sustainable paper bottle packaging. In advance of a meeting this week between European Union trade ministers, New Zealand's red meat exporters have raised concerns over reports of, in their words, a poor quality draft agricultural access offer. With an end-of-June deadline approaching to conclude an agreement in principle on approaches to market access, New Zealand meat associations have stepped up the rhetoric given what they perceive as weak past offers. If the reports are true, then New Zealand red meat exporters would continue to face a non-level playing field in the EU, said Sima Karapiva, the CEO of Meat Industry Association, the MIA. She added, We are not prepared to back a deal which offers poor access for our red meat to this important market and an outcome that would simply not be credible. The EU has been vocal about its ambition for a broad trade agreement. And as a long-standing partner with shared values and commitments to high standards, we will be extremely disappointed if the outcome doesn't reflect this. Beef plus Lamb New Zealand, B plus LNZ, has been equally vocal. In a statement, it said, Agricultural protectionism sends a negative signal to trading partners and is in stark contrast to statements made by the EU Commission about the importance of trade liberalisation and openness, especially at a time where food security is a global concern. 
tariffs to the EU are currently high for New Zealand's meat exporters. Sam McIver, CEO of B-plus LNZ, added, While New Zealand and the EU have a long history of trade, we are one of the few countries that does not have a free trade agreement with the EU, putting us in similar company to Russia, Iran, Pakistan and India. This means we are at a significant disadvantage compared with the EU's FTA, Free Trade Agreement, partners. New Zealand's current beef market access to the EU is constrained by a tariff rate quota of 846 tonnes, with an in-quota tariff of 20%. Exports outside of this quota are subject to tariffs of 12.8% of the value, in addition to between €171.3 and €311.8 per 100 kilograms. The end result is that the total tariff can effectively add up to 50%. Karapiva said maintaining a small quota with an in-quota tariff will do nothing to further commercial opportunities and growth to meet consumer demand. We urge the New Zealand government to reject any poor quality agricultural access offer. That's it for this edition of Food for Thought, the CL podcast. Feel free to like, share and comment on the podcasts and keep an eye on the CL newsroom with News for Europe. Asia and the Americas. For now, from me, David Addison, it's goodbye.